the, the word uh, that really stood out to me is from verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. That really stood out to me last Sunday when David was preaching. Uh, It's interesting because as I reflected with David afterwards, which he was primarily preaching uh, chapter 21 and then kind of touched on 22. But as he was preaching last week out of his whole message, verse 17 is what kind of most popped for me. And he just kind of briefly touched on it. But what was interesting is when I talked to him, he said that wasn't in his notes. He really felt like he was kind of the spirit leading him in this time to kind of highlight what he highlighted in that moment. And I, I want to take that as if that was something that God kind of put on me last week and just lean into that heavily today. Does that make sense? Kind of what I'm trying to do because what I'm kind of sensing um, that, that the Lord wanted me to hear that last week. And so I've been reflecting on that quite a bit and um, is, is how I'm going to kind of land the revelation plane, if that, if that kind of makes sense. I'm going to land the plane today on the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation's got a lot of weird stuff in it. It's got a lot of different pieces to it that we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. If you have a friend that would like to do a study on the book of Revelation, I would encourage you, send them to our website, have them listen to the past couple weeks around how we've tried to unpack this particular book. Has anybody went and actually read the book of Revelation as I had encouraged you to do? Boom. Okay. Oh, oh, I thought there was going to be one hand that went up. I was going to give you an iPad or something. No, but seeing a bunch of them, I guess not. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But here's the deal. It's so good to see some of you have done that. I'd encourage you to continue to do that as best as possible in one sitting. I'm not a big fan of reading Revelation verse, 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 you know, verse a day for the next five years or something like that. Read that puppy in one sitting kind of paying attention to things that we've been highlighting the past couple of weeks. Revelation is primarily about Jesus. Come on, folks. Jesus, and especially Jesus triumphant. The four gospels, as they focused on Jesus's life from his birth through his death and resurrection, and then to his ascension, Revelation picks up there at the ascension. And Revelation is really focusing a lot of attention on Jesus from ascension to his second return. And, and gives us a picture into the new heavens and the new earth as well. But it's showing us, um, it's, it's picking up from the Gospels and it's continuing on then, even now what we are living through. And so it's super relevant for us today, focused primarily on Jesus. I told you about three things that Revelation is primarily about. This is what I've kind of, in my studying the past month and a half or whatever it's been, these are the three things. Primarily, Revelation is about Jesus, yes, and it's primarily about a call to repentance, a call to repentance. It offers us hope, 
especially to those who are suffering. And then my last one here, and this is going to be the, how we land the plane today, is going to be, it's primarily about mission. And it's going to be a primary mission. So that's what I would argue is primarily what the book of Revelation is about, a call to repentance. And it's interesting what the call to repentance is primarily driven to. Do you remember chapters 2 and 3 is primarily talking to the church to repent where there's sin. We did that this morning when we went and said, I'm a poor miserable sinner. Confess unto you all my sin. You know, I'm a sinner in need. Uh, it provides us with hope as we see the, the evil that's in Revelation, but we see that Jesus is triumphant. He's the king who sits on the throne. David picked that apart a little bit last week in chapter 20. He's on the throne. Every knee will bow before him, Philippians tells us. Um, I have a quote here that I want to show you. This is what's going to drive us, what we've been talking about, to now this idea of ending with it being about mission. This is what a guy named Brighton says. Uh, This is a commentary I've been looking at a little bit. He says this, The more the Christian is confident by faith, strengthened through word and sacrament, of going to heaven because of the merits of Christ, the more we zero in on him and who he is and receive from him, his incredible gifts, the more the Spirit moves the believer to desire to enter heaven. And the more the Christian desires the glory of God in heaven, the more the Spirit moves him to witness through this longing hope of faith. Are you following that? Leave that up for just a second in case somebody wants to just kind of scan that again. You see that process of growing in our faith? starting to desire more and more the glory of God and seeing him and receiving from him his gifts. And as that's transforming us, it actually moves us to mission. Uh, What does the text here say? The spirit and the bride, the church, say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. What are they doing? There's an invitation that's happening from the, from the one who's heard. Now they begin to speak and say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. And the one who hears says, come. And let the one who is thirsty actually come. And everybody who desires the water of life, come without price. It's free. It's absolutely free. My in-laws are in town, and uh, the blessing of the in-laws is is so many different ways. One of my favorites is when they say to us, uh, we're taking you out to eat wherever you want to go, and we're buying. That's the best. That's my favorite. So there we are eating the rolls at Texas Roadhouse, right? I mean, there's nothing better than the rolls at Texas Roadhouse. But why would you argue with, why would you argue with your mother-in-law and father-in-law who are saying we're buying? Why would you try to have to fight that, right? 
Why not just receive that incredible free gift and just bask in it? And here we have this incredible picture. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price, freely. This incredible gift that Jesus has won for us on the cross through his resurrection from the dead. The gift of forgiveness to you today as we repent of our sin and hear the words, you are forgiven. Why would we not receive that? Why would we not receive that freely? This gift is offered to everyone. This gift is offered to everybody. Here's what it says. Anybody who wants it can have it. It's free for everybody. Well, who is it offered to? And as I was kind of reflecting on that today, I was thinking just up above here in the text, it says that those who will be put outside the gate are the sorcerers, the idolaters, the sexually immoral, the murderers, those who practice falsehood. But if you jump to other parts of scripture, I'm thinking of like Romans chapter one and chapter two, we recognize that the free gift is for the idolaters, the sorcerers, the murderers, the sexually immoral. And we see in like Romans where we, re we recognize the reason that, that that full wrath of God isn't coming down on them right now is because of God's patience. That's exactly what Romans chapter 2 is talking about. The patience of God that would lead us to repentance. And so even now today, if you are a sorcerer, an idolater, a sexually immoral person, a murderer, a, those who practice falsehood, and the list goes on and on and on until we all recognize and we're all sitting here and we say, I justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. We're all in the same boat. It's for you. That's who it's for. The water is for you today, right now, anybody. There will come a day when it's put outside, that evil, and it's gone. But today... This is the blessedness of God's patience with us that today we can actually repent and look to Jesus for salvation. We can look to him for forgiveness. That is for every single person in the room today. It's for every single person. I could just count the cars driving by. It's for every single person. Everyone, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price you don't even have to pay for it it's for you for free because jesus paid the price didn't he so today i just ask you are you so are you tired are you so tired of running you're so thirsty you're just thirsty because you've been carrying your sin, your brokenness, that thing that you did 10 years ago that you never told anybody about. You still carry that. And you're just thirsty today. You just feel so parched. You know, this past, I think it was Tuesday, or maybe it was Monday. Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember which day. It was 104 degrees out, and it's been hot, right? 
And this Wisconsin boy, one of the ways I try to acclimate to the weather down here is around four o'clock or something, sometimes I'll just go for a run. I'll just, no, I'm, Tina, I do it sometimes. And I did it this past week. I went for a two-mile run. 104, I think, is what it was saying on the little thingamajigger, you know. And 104 degrees, it was just hot, hot. And I had just put, yeah, shade changes things. You're right, yeah, in the shade. In the shade, exactly, the 104, yeah. So who knows what it really was. And as I'm, as I'm running, I'm, the whole time I'm thinking about the little cup of water that I had placed on the back of my truck. And I knew that once I got, you know, done with the run and stuff, that that bad boy, you know, I was just gonna drink it down. And you just, when you're so thirsty and you just need a drink of water, you know, some of you might be experiencing some of that today. You're just, You've run so hard. You've tried so many things. You've tried the cultural stuff. Our culture teaches us when it's like that, we keep trying to feed our feelings, doesn't it? Keep feeding your feelings. You might feel this over here, so feed that for a little while. Then you might feel this over here, so you might feed that for a while over here. Or maybe you try to numb the, the feelings in some way. Or maybe you just, you know, you, you do what our culture says to do, which is essentially look inside of yourself and whatever, whatever's there, whatever you find inside, just go with it. See if that works for a while. Maybe buy more stuff. You know, maybe you know, that can, can be a numbing thing. It's just your like little finger on the Amazon purchase thing is just click, 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 click. Because maybe you're one purchase away from being fully satisfied. Some of you might just be really thirsty today. And Jesus says, the one who desires can come and take the water of life without price. John, the guy who wrote this, John, the book of Revelation, his gospel, the gospel of John, has um, a lot of water imagery. And he uses water imagery all over the place in the gospel of John. And it's not in John, but in another gospel, we see Jesus hanging on the cross. And what does it say? Jesus thirsts. And to fulfill prophecy, he thirsts. He receives a little sour wine. But then if you follow John's gospel, you see John, and remember I, I preached on this. This was Good Friday this year. He gets thrust into his side, the spear, and what comes out? Blood and water flow. Water comes pouring out of his side. And if you've been walking through the book of John, you see this water imagery all over the place. And then you see in the next chapter of John, Jesus breathing out the spirit onto the disciples and saying, the sins you forgive will be forgiven and the sins you retain will be retained. And this, this, this on the cross, we begin to see Jesus who, who's thirsty. He becomes hellishly thirsty. 
so that he might pour out life-giving water upon us. What do we see here? Michelle read it just a second ago. The, the, the throne of God and the, the river of life, the, this river coming from the throne, this, these pictures of water, and all of it is leading us to look to Jesus where our thirst might be truly quenched. I mean, to, to get really real with the, 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 the pointedness of this message is to look to Christ for forgiveness, for strength, for even life. Jesus pays the price. His blood shed so that it's free for us. Now that becomes incredible. And what it starts to do is it starts to be something we hear. And my prayer is that you would hear that again today. But it's not just a hearing. It begins to move to our lips then, doesn't it? It's funny. Just today, I've been personally, this wasn't in my notes until this morning. I don't even think I have it on the screen. Maybe I did. Maybe you guys got it up there. But Acts, this was just eating my bagel this morning. Oh, bagel, bagel. Acts chapter four, a bagel? I don't, a bagel. Really? Is it that bad? That's a bagel. I think we're saying the same thing, people. Acts chapter four, verse 20 says this, look at this. I was reading this story where the, the high priest is telling Peter and these guys to shut, you gotta be quiet. And they say this, they say in verse 20, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I've seen it, I've heard it, I've got it. It moves me to now speak it out. And see, that's kind of what Revelation's gonna be leading us to is being those who hear that, that, that pointedness of repentance Remember, it's not like the, the call to repentance is all those terrible people out there. He talks to the seven churches and says, repent. He's talking to us today. Repent. Draw on the hope that you have of eternal life, of the new heavens, the new earth. Jesus will return one day. Evil will be put out forever. Draw on that hope, but let it move you now to mission. Let it move you to a place where we have seen and heard, and now we speak it out. We, it, it moves to our lips. A couple passages that I would say argue the urgency of this. I want to show you a couple Bible passages that I'm, I'm, are showing a kind of urgency. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. This too is, is um, John writing this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says this. Children, it is the last hour. And you have heard that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. That's 2,000 years ago. So either this is not true, or 
we are now closer to the last hour than 2,000 years ago. Are you following me? Obviously, that's where I am. We're actually closer now, all the closer to the last hour, because here it's the last hour. Romans chapter 13, I want to read this. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 says this. Besides this, you know the time. The hour has come for you to awake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in the orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The urgency of this. In, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, I don't have this on the screen, but at the end of that prophecy, that you can go read this in the Old Testament, at the end of the prophecy, it's the, the angel says to Daniel, shut up, shut up, not shut up, he, shut up the, the prophecy, shut up, seal up what I'm telling you. It's just, it's not the time yet. Seal it up, but look at what happens here in this text, John chapter 22. What does the angel say to John? He says in verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. You following that? Do you sense the urgency of the time being near? David called us to that last week. He's coming soon. Time and time again, I mean, I would say the underlying theme of our study of Revelation has been Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, when Jesus says, it's going to be soon. And there's an urgency for us to be those who would hear. And there's an urgency to us that we would be the kind of people who speak hear the incredible news of God's grace and his forgiveness and his mercy to hear what he has done for us to be those who would repent of our sin and turn from our sin and look to Jesus and be those who also like the bride and the the spirit and the bride say come let the one who hears say come You following what I'm trying to say today? That we would be those who hear and then invite and say, come, this is for you too. Come be part of this. Come be part of what Jesus has done for for all of us. You might say today, well, what do I say? What do you want me to say, Seth? What am I supposed to say in all these situations you're saying comes up. I don't, I don't know what to exactly always say. Peter, you know, in Peter it says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Here's my three little things that I was going to just throw up here. What if you told people kind of on a regular basis or somehow shared with them that you're the worst sinner 
What if you shared, what if you led with that? What if you actually led with, with this idea that I'm the chief of sinners, as Paul says in scripture? What if you led with, I'm the chief of sinners? Uh, what if you showed them that even though you're the chief of sinners, your repentance is directed to the Savior, Jesus? So you recognize your need for, for salvation to come from outside of yourself, not like the Disney movies that teach us salvation comes from inside, but it's actually from outside. It's, it's, it's what Jesus has done for us. What if you just shared that? And then what if you showed them that this Savior gives life-giving water to quench the thirst of your life and it's offered to you today? What if that's all you said to people? What if you just pointed people to Jesus constantly, did the John the Baptist thing and just kind of, he must become greater, I must become less? What if we lived like this? not saying this is how every conversation is going to go with people, but all I'm kind of giving you is what if, what if the things that we have seen and heard today that you are forgiven, that you are loved by God, that you, you know, it says here to put him on. Well, we see that in our, any, a lot of times when we do baptisms, I'll go to the Galatians passage to put on Christ. That's offered to every single person today. To put on Christ and to be those who've not only seen and heard it, but to then be those who speak it out and say, come, come. That's what Revelation is about. It's about Jesus. It's about repentance. It's about hope. And it's about mission. The reality of Revelation, as you read through it, is you're going to see incredible hardships. You're going to see the dragon, you know, in what is it, chapter 12, that's behind so many of the things that are going on. The beasts that come out, that the evil, the, the demonic spiritual warfare that's taking place. I went for a walk a couple nights ago. I went for a walk down our, our, um, our street, and I just prayed over the homes in our community, and um, and I came back to our house. This isn't in my notes. This is coming to me right now. But I came back to our house, and I just prayed against the spiritual forces of evil that might be attacking our neighbors. And we came inside, and I'm not going to get into the exact details, but ultimately my wife, come, Jacqueline, comes over to me and says, we need to go pray over the girl's room. And so we just went into the girl's room, and we just prayed. There's spiritual forces of evil that are against us. Um, and as you read through the book of Revelation, it'll begin to reveal to you the evil that really is kind of behind so many different things. Plus, you'll see in the book of Revelation the evil that's in our own hearts, the sin that's inside of me. You'll see the brokenness of this world and you'll look at the wars and rumors of wars, the little news yesterday where that was going all wonky. And you'll, you'll see all that. 
But it'll, it, through all of that, Jesus on the throne, ruling and reigning, in complete control, not nervous about anything, will break through it all. And it's like, man, how cool is that? And I want that to not be something that I get to just have, but I want to be able to be one who has heard and to be able to say, come, come, come. You get to be part of this too. Come, be part of this. Come, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Come, I want you to see my Savior. Come, I want you to experience the life-giving water that I've gotten to experience. So to close, I'm just going to read again, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. That bride there is the church. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty actually come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price because Jesus has paid it for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the incredible good news that we again got to hear today. Lord, there are some people in this room that feel like they are running at four o'clock and it's 104 degrees outside and it's hot and their body is starting to shut down. Not, I'm not talking physically, Lord. You help, help people to get this here, but Lord, that, that our bodies, our spiritual bodies are maybe beginning to shut down from heat exhaustion. And yet you, God, are offering this free cup of water on the back of the pickup truck right now. And I pray, Jesus, that you would stir us up, every single one of us in the room, whether we're a believer, whether we're not a believer, to yet again turn our attention to you, Jesus. Reminding ourselves, reminding ourselves of who you are. Reminding ourselves that we are yours. And you've laid claim to us in our baptism, in the gift of faith that you've given to us. Lord, I pray for that person today that maybe doesn't know that and is experiencing a need, a desperate need, and they've tried everything else. Jesus, I pray that you'd open their eyes to see you today in a new and a fresh way. To look to you as their life-giving Savior. Thank you that you come and you bring grace and mercy. You bring forgiveness to us. I thank you for that today, Lord. Lord, I pray for our church family as, as we again hear. Help us to not only be hearers, but also those who then speak out that invitation to the people around us to come, to receive from you the incredible gifts you have for us. Stir us up to that, Lord, and help show us the urgency of that, the nearness of that. 
that that is coming, that you are coming soon. Help us to not get so sucked into this world that we would miss out on that urgency that you are calling us to today. We love you, Jesus, and we trust in you. May this today, now this word, strengthen us, preserve us. In Jesus' name, amen.